Hello friends, this is episode 46 of the Spirituality for Ordinary People podcast. My name is Matthew Bruff and I'm a pastor and an author and on this podcast we just talk about ways to connect with God and I've got a great interview today with a fantastic guest. His name is Steve Saccone and we're going to come to that in a minute but I've got something that I want to share with you that I'm just super excited about. I'm actually coming up on one year of doing this podcast. We started this podcast in uh, the beginning of April uh, 2017 and as I'm recording this it is uh, the beginning of March and what I've decided to do is to compile a list of authors who have been on the podcast over the last year. I haven't been able to include everyone, unfortunately, but there are 24 books that I put in a list and I'm giving the books away. So you can enter a contest to win the books, the actual books. So some people have asked, are these ebooks? No, you can get the books will actually be shipped to you. And so you can enter a giveaway to win 24 books. And something that I love about this is that uh, I've had such diverse guests on the podcast over the last year. So in this giveaway, there are uh, theological books, uh, devotional books, there's fiction, there's kids books, there's books for adults, um, there's books on church leadership. And so you might not be interested in all those things, but uh, you probably have people in your lives who are. So if you won the giveaway, you could give some of those away to other people who might be more interested. Like maybe you don't want to read the church leadership books, but you would really want devotional books or a book on Sabbath. And this giveaway has a bunch of those things in it. So anyway, that's what that's about. And I'm doing that to celebrate the one year anniversary of this podcast And so the giveaway will actually be open until March 28th, that's 2018. So if you're listening to this before March 28th, you can still enter that giveaway. Uh, And then you can also share the giveaway. The more you share it, if you email a friend or if you share it on social media, you actually get more entries into the giveaway. So you get a greater chance of winning. So that's kind of cool. So if you can share that around, go and enter yourselves. Uh, that would be just great, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to announce a winner at the beginning of April. So yeah, that's a lot of fun. The way you enter that giveaway, sorry, I should have told you this right away. The way you enter the giveaway is through the website, so you can go to spiritualityforordinarypeople.com slash giveaway. So spiritualityforordinarypeople.com slash giveaway. Really easy. Uh, like I said, today's interview is really great. Uh, it's with Steve Saccone, and uh, he and his wife, Sherry, have written a really interesting book called Talking About God, Honest Conversations About Spirituality. So we get all into this book, um, but really a lot of our conversation is actually about sharing faith, what it means to have a spiritual conversation uh, with someone else, particularly with someone who doesn't share the same convictions as you do. So what it looks like to have spiritual conversations and what some of our anxieties might be about spiritual conversations, particularly with people who are not followers of Jesus. So as people who are followers of Jesus ourselves, um, how do how do we see that? And do we have a, an agenda? And is it a hidden agenda? Or uh, So we get into all these kinds of questions about uh, what do those kinds of conversations look like? And how to have them well and in ways that are gentle and respectful and in a way that 
where we're coming in peace with uh, with possibly a message, but also maybe with just love and listening. Um, so I think it's an important conversation to have. And uh, I had a lot of fun talking to Steve. Uh, and I think that comes through as the interview goes through. I hadn't met him before, um, but he was just a great guy to talk to. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy this interview with Steve Saccone. Today on the podcast, I have Steve Saccone. Welcome, Steve. It's great to have you on. Oh, thanks, Matt. So good to be here. I'm glad to talk to your audience here. Yeah. Um, I wanted mostly to talk to you about your latest book, actually, but um, we can we can sort of hear a little more about you as well. But can you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and also just about your latest book, uh, Talking About God, because I think that's what people are be most interested in. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, I'm married to Sherry, and we both actually wrote uh, the book together, Talking About God, which we'll talk about in a second. We have two boys, uh, Hudson and Holden, nine and seven, so they keep us running around, uh, lots of fun. And um, yeah, I I have been a pastor for 14 plus years, but just took a new job with Southeastern University just about six or seven months ago. And basically what I do is I I work in the world of unrestricted education. And what that means is uh, we partner with, with local churches across the country and we start extension sites. And so students actually who attend that church or come to that church, they can actually get a college degree as well as lots of leadership development and practicum experience right at the church. And they can get an associate's or a bachelor's in you know various fields. So I work with all our church leaders at those churches. Yeah, that's really cool. That's very cool. Yeah. And then um, and then the book, which actually is, is basically co-written, right, with you and your wife. Um, yes. Talking about God. Can, can you tell us a little bit about sort of the premise of that book, even maybe how that came to be and, and what that's about? Sure. Yeah. Sherry and I... Um, I've, I've written a couple other books as well, and, and we were talking about what we would want to write next, and maybe we could do one together. And what quickly emerged is sort of the what if we wrote about a narrative book about people that we've had spiritual conversations with um, that that you know we we journey with as friends. And so that's what the book is. It's six of our friends, three more of like Sherry's friends, three more of mine, and it's sort of taking you back in time, the reader to listen in on the conversations that we had about God, about fears, about insecurities, life, pain, and not just, um, you know, some would call it personal evangelism and that's fine. But, um, but sometimes we think of that as, as just kind of sharing the gospel message, right. Which is of course part of it. Um, but, but it's a much broader, uh, take on that topic really in the sense of how do you, how do you live authentically and, and connect to people in spiritual conversations that don't push people away and I mean, how do you even bring your own vulnerabilities and doubts and fears and all that? Or should you, right? Which we, of course, think you should. But um, <laughs> how those conversations unfold and, and what the journey really looks like. Because people are, they have a lot of fear and anxiety, and especially in our culture, man. We, um, it's not exactly a, a welcoming of Christian uh, things kind of culture. So, yeah. Right, for sure. Um, so you're kind of saying spiritual conversations. You've said a bit about that. Um, like what? What is that really? What is a spiritual conversation? And in the context of the book, I think you're talking, you know, you as someone who follows Jesus in a spiritual conversation with someone who doesn't, or doesn't yet, or maybe even won't in the future. Um, right? They may That's, or may not. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, spiritual conversations, from my standpoint, are when you engage the deeper realities of life, right? Mm-hmm. That, that really affect a person's soul. I mean, it could be positive or negative. 
And truth is, sometimes people want to avoid those conversations. They don't want to face something. There's implications, right? Uh, they have to change the way they, they're living or some path that they're on. Uh, other times people, you know, they, they are open to change. They want to change. They, they're leaning in. They're deeply engaged. They're hungry for spiritual growth or God or something more. Uh, and those kind of things. So yeah, spiritual conversations to me are engaging those things, whether a follower of Jesus or not, um, that you're leaning into those kinds of substantive conversations about things that are real and things that matter and, and the real stuff of life. Right. I was kind of thinking as I was reading, like I've only managed to read the first little bit of the book, I think the first two conversations. Um, but I was kind of thinking, wow, so does Steve and, uh, Sherry, they, they, so every conversation they have must be like this, like this is, <laughs> right? like, wow, they're really deep yeah. people. Like this is, this is incredible, but probably not. Right. Like that's, these yeah, are, we could have wrote about all the mundane, all the mundane, boring conversations, but no one would read it. So right, exactly. <laughs> we tried to capture the ones that had some magic to them, you know? Right. Right. Um, and then hopefully like people who read this, they can glean something from it. Um, and I, I mean, I obviously haven't been able to read the the whole book, um, but uh, but a sense that oh, it not I, I don't think people I don't think you're intending for people to read it and think oh this is a manual for how to enter into this kind of conversation with someone who I think might be kind of seeking or wondering about God. Like my sense was, I'm reading a very vulnerable and personal story of yours, and that's maybe sparking for me what I might do or people in my life that I may have a similar kind of conversation with. And I'd probably do it very differently than you would, but the insight and and kind of reading that story, I think it's sort of almost like laying your story alongside my story. Is that kind of what you're hoping for? Man, that's, that's really insightful, perceptive and articulate, man. Um, that's, that's exactly right, man. You don't need even need to read the rest of the book. <laughs> All right. Okay. I'll just, um, you got it. Um, yeah, no, that's it. Right. Cause, cause you know, sometimes formulas in life are good, right? They're not always bad, Sure. Yeah. Uh, but, but, but sharing our faith and engaging with people in, in the stuff of life, I mean, there's not a formulaic and it shouldn't be a formulaic rigid way of doing it. And so many times, that is our approach to spiritual conversations, at least from the Christian world. And yeah, that, that is what exactly what you said. That is what unfolds in the book. It's not so much, here's three things, how to do this, this, and this, you know? And it's more about, yeah, you can take, you can extract lessons learned, no doubt, but it is the unfolding of our story, intersecting their story, how that plays out. What would you say when someone sits across the table and says, you know, um, you know, I, I want to believe in God, but I believe in many gods, right? Or I want to become a Christian, but I'm bisexual. Or, you know, what do you say in those moments, right? Because those things happen. And, and, and a lot of that is weaved into the book. And it's not like there's one thing to say. That we don't right. make that case. But say, how do you respond with the right posture? How do you show people dignity? How do you live authentically when you don't know the answer or when you doubt something? How do you share that? What does that look like? So that, that's how it kind of unfolds. Yeah, I kind of liked it because as well, like you and Sherry were both really clear about like, here, here's kind of where we stand here. Here is, here's what we believe. Yes. Um, and, and you don't even, the two of you necessarily believe exactly the same thing in every circumstance. Um, no, no two people necessarily do. Right. But, um, but I don't think ever in the book, I, I wasn't even getting the sense that you were saying, well, you have to believe the same thing we do. Um, like there are some core things about Christianity that for sure, like we're kind of operating from that, but you weren't necessarily saying 
if you're a reader of this book, then you have to adhere to, you know, what Steve and Sherry think are the right, right tenets of, of doctrine um, in order to guide these conversations. But it's kind of knowing really what, what is the core for you? What do you really believe? And how do you lay that alongside? And be totally honest about that. And even when you might have doubts about what you believe. Right. No, that's exactly right. And you know, clarity that. on clarity on what you believe and why you believe it, right? Clarity on your own convictions, right? That's really important. Honesty is very important. You know, that being said, it's like how we interact with those things we believe and how we choose to sort of go about being honest with people and not forcing it or imposing it on them is I think a very important um, aspect of relationships and, and life. And yeah, that's right. You see that right. So for the one who follows Jesus, why is being being open to a spiritual conversation, particularly with, with maybe someone who is a non-believer, why is that important to, to be open to that? Yeah, well, you know, as a follower of Jesus, from my standpoint, um, it's a calling, right? It's a calling of every follower. It's not just a calling of the most gifted ones or specifically gifted people, uh, that we're to be witnesses, uh, as Jesus said, some of his last words that we're to go into the world and invite people. I, I really like the word invite and, and even introduce because that's what we're doing. We're not, we're not the converters. We're not the people that force anything upon people or not intended to, um, but we ought to be prepared to share when someone asks us about the faith that we have. And then in first Peter three fifteen it says, and do that with gentleness and respect. And, um, and, and so that, that's a part of how, um, we ought to engage with people, I think. And, 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 and then Jesus said, you know, as the father has sent me, I am sending you, right? That's what he said to his disciples. Mm-hmm. And then I also think of Luke 15, where um, when the one comes back home, when the one comes to the creator, comes to know their creator, like heaven celebrates, right? And there is great joy, right? Of the one lost sheep coming home. And, and I love that. That motivates me. It inspires me. And we're called to, be in conversations and do our part in helping that person come home. Yeah. Yeah. I I think as well, like it's reminding me of, we have a a document in our denomination called living faith. Um, And there's this little line in there that's in the evangelism section of uh, the document. Right. Um, But, uh, but it it talks about, um, I think the line is something like, um, you know, if, kind of saying as one beggar to another, when you have found food, we point to life in Christ. So it's kind of like, well, if we kind of know what this incredible life is, and then we've got a friend who is in need, it's like, well, of course we let's, let's point to where that life is found. Yeah. Um, So I, well, and that, I mean, that's interesting because that, that motivates me in moments when you, when you're sitting there across the table from someone and you get the hard question and you're like, you know, the honest, real answer, you know what you believe, but it's sort of like, how do I say this in a way that just doesn't make them go, ah, I'm done, you know? And, um, and, and some of it is just that it's like, well, I believe that Jesus is ultimately the source of life and that everybody needs him right both now and forever right so i believe that as as any christian would but it's like how i say that matters too you know but i'm not going to hold back on that i mean i'm going to be honest i mean i got to read where the other person is we can get into some of that i gotta i gotta respond to what's in front of me appropriately but but that is true right in according to what i believe and so um i think sometimes good yeah i think sometimes christians forget though that oh yeah there is this incredible life in Christ. Like 
it's almost like the longer you've been walking with Christ, like I grew up in the church. I don't know a time when I wasn't really a Christian. Um, yeah. And, you know, there's some times in my teenage years where I, you know, faith became a little more vibrant for me, but it was like, if I look back and I'm honest, you know, Jesus has always been part of my life. It's easy for me to just sort of go, Oh yeah, this is a, like this is amazing. Cause I don't, I almost don't know the different, the other side. And I think there's lots of followers of Jesus that are like that, that are just, it's easy to just kind of forget that if somebody doesn't have Jesus in their life, it, the difference that Jesus will make to that life. We don't always necessarily see that. Um, so I, I do think those conversations are important, but I think you're also pointing to, and maybe a point to this in the book too, is that these conversations, if you do feel, it, it, you know, if, if you agree that we're sent, that we're called, it, this can all be pretty anxiety inducing. <laughs> and yeah. so why, why is it so anxiety inducing though? And then how do we overcome that? Like, how do we push past that if, if, if we sort of have this desire to enter into this? Well, and it's funny too, because when you, when you write a book on something, people, you know, think you're an expert or whatever, and maybe you are, maybe you're not, <laughs> but I still get fear, right? I still get anxiety, at least in some, some situations. Right. Um, and I think that's a real part of it. Um, you know, I think one of the things I used to hear, uh, one of my, uh, one of my pastors say is he says, uh, you know, courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is the absence of self. And I love that. And I latched onto that. And, and, you know, we're going to have anxiety and some of it is like, well, we got to embrace it. Right. And, and it doesn't just go away. Right. But how do we overcome it? You know? Um, yeah. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to, if you're human, right. And you're in touch with your like inner world. So like you don't want to feel rejection. Nobody likes that. Right. You don't, you don't want to feel, you know, somebody's disappointment with you. Right. That, that's real stuff. And we got to work through that. Um, but at the same time, it's like, man, this calling, this idea of being sent and being a witness, it's countercultural. And there's hostility and there's resistance and there's, you know, a lot of other things. Um, but, but it shouldn't change our calling, right? Because the reality is, in no matter what culture or time in history we live, people are searching for God. And we're not called to force anything upon them, but we are called to be made available and, and available to God and available to these people who are searching and who are hungry, who are, you know, asking questions. And, um, and I lean into that. And you know what, if, if you, uh, as simple as invite someone to church, right. And get rejected. Well, it's okay. Like, you know, if you, um, try to bring up a conversation, which I've done many a times and they just don't want to go there. It's okay. Right. Be gracious, be patient, trust the work of God and, um, and, um, and face your anxiety, right? I, I think part of the power is acknowledging it. Like I get scared when I talk to Bill because Bill is smarter than me. He's got his, you know, act together in terms of his own beliefs, even though he's an atheist, he's, you know, he has got good argument, you know, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's just, that's just true sometimes. And, and, um, and so you got to kind of talk your way through it, pray your way through it. Um, and also prepare. Right. What do you mean by prepare? Well, you know, I think part of preparation is, uh, you know, it's an unfortunate thing, but but a lot of Christians don't personally engage the Bible, right, in their own life. And so, you know, it starts there, right? Are, are the scriptures a normal part of your kind of day-to-day walk with God? They ought to be, right? And the statistics on that are, you know, dismally low. And so read your Bible, right? Study the Bible, you know, that, those sort of things. 
Um, and hey, man, we have we have Google, right? <laughs> Some people call it research when you do one minute online of Google. I don't know if that's research, but but read and research and 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 know stuff. You know, there's great books out there. Uh, evidence that demands a verdict. There's the case for Christ, case for faith, all those Lee Strobel kind of books. I mean, there's plenty of stuff out there. And I thought, I think every, every Christian should, should um, be reading and learning and studying in an ongoing way. But also preparation is, is what and how are you experiencing God now? And share that, you know, and, and I mean, you can call it preparation or, or what have you, but it's like, it is part of the conversation when someone, that they want to hear what you're going through. I think it's compelling. And part of it is they they can't really argue with your story, you know? And so I'm not talking about weird God, crazy stories that'll freak someone out and send them running. I'm talking about, man, this is where I sense the depths of the father's love in my life. For man, this is the trial I'm going through. Um, For me, in my case, I have a son with autism and man, there's been many challenges. And I share those things with a person who's not of faith. And man, I don't know how someone would Go through this without God, because man, God has been the one that has comforted me and strengthened me when I've needed it, you know, or something like that. And people respect that. People typically listen to that, and they have some degree of care Mm -hmm. about that. So that's my approach. I want to run something by you because I liked how you said just uh, that just a a minute ago. I hear people say things like, "Oh, I was really struggling, and I'm so glad I have faith because my faith got me through it." And I just heard you say. I, you know, here's a struggle. I have faith and God got me through it. Yeah. I actually think there's a magnitude, like, I think there's a magnitude of difference between those things where, and I think sometimes people have a hesitation to actually say God in the conversation and instead replace what God is doing in their life with their own faith and how their own faith is the thing that is the strength. Yeah. Like, can you comment on that? (laughs) that? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's really insightful and, uh, you know, make an interesting observation. And I mean, I wasn't even that cognizant of saying it that way. <laughs> um, but uh, I'll give you the gold star. That was but I'll take that away from I'm learning from yeah. this interview here. Yeah. Right. So, um, but, I, but I think that's right, because I think that I don't know that I do this always right. But I think that the difference there to me is the emphasis on you or God, right? Right. My faith, right. Versus so this is God that helped me through it. And, and I think sometimes people's faith per se is, is part of this answer to this is it's, it's cognitive and it's still kind of self-driven rather than, yeah, cognitive is part of it, but also like you're, you're, you know, God, you experience God in your heart. It's not just cognitive, it's head and heart right. and it's reliant upon God, not reliant upon self. Yeah. So it's not, faith is not mustering up belief. Right. Faith is, learning and getting to know God, right? Faith is, in this case, faith is about a person. What are you putting your trust in or your belief in? Who really are you putting your trust and belief in? And, and are we experiencing that God in a personal way? And I think that's probably why it came out that way, because um, that is what I'm experiencing, right? That I experience the real God, you know, and maybe that's part of the problem in this whole conversation with Christians. Sure. I think sometimes too, it's all, it's safer to say my faith. Like we think, Yes. I think we, I think sometimes we think other people are going to be turned off by, by God language. And so people even say, I'm a person of faith, right? Just generically speaking. Right. 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 But I think actually sometimes it can work the opposite way. So if I say to somebody, Hey, my faith has got me through, it could actually lead to them feeling like I I'm acting superior as in I've got faith. I'm, I'm good. 
and right. you don't have faith and and you should have faith as opposed to if I point to God, it kind of removes that a little bit out of the equation. Yeah. It, it's still there maybe a little bit, but then I'm saying, look, I'm needy and I need God. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's kind of an interesting, maybe it's semantics. I don't know, but I kind of like language. No, I think, I think that's good. Yeah. I mean, and reality is there's still a low percentage of people that are atheists, you know I mean? Oh yeah. And so people are believe generally speaking, have a belief in God, right? 90% or something, right? It's like still sky high. So it's like bringing up God. Now what God you're talking about and all that gets nuanced, but, um, but I'm with you, man. Cool. Uh, all right. But I'm, we're t- I'm totally off script here, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, this kind of, kind of related. Uh, you begin the book by talking about uh, coming in peace when engaging in a spiritual conversation. So I just I kind of want to know what that means. Like you, you pull that out of uh, Star Trek, I think you said. Yeah. Like a Star Trek reference, right? That's so good. That, that got me, that got me hooked. <laughs> I'm more of a Star Wars guy, but I like Star Trek too. Uh, but yeah. So w- what do you mean by coming in peace? Yeah. So if you think about peace, I mean, the opposite of peace is violence, right? Which is taking something by force, right? So uh, this is the heartbeat of this, of this book that we're not coming to force anyone into anything, right? It's not the posture, not what the, te- what the scriptures teach, right? This is not a hostile takeover, right? In conversation. Um, coming in peace means that we're acknowledging that, that we're coming into your world, your space, your free will, and instead of forcing something upon you, right, we're introducing you perhaps to a new idea. We're inviting you into a conversation either that's new or we're inviting you deeper into a conversation that matters about truth, about why we're here, about who's our creator, right? And the two words I said earlier, it's about inviting and introducing, really. And so I think what we're doing when we say we come in peace, it's, a, it's so much about our posture, right? how we're approaching someone, right? That we're not... Um, we're not coming to invade their territory. We're coming to invite them into a conversation, hopefully with us, but greater than that, even with God. And then we're paying attention to their cues, right? Their, their postures, their responses. And, um, and what are they sending us? Because people, people send us cues all the time, right? And part of this whole bigger conversation that we're having here and about the book, it's like, we're learning to pay attention and respond accordingly, right? We're not forcing it. So if someone's saying, back off, I'm disinterested, I'm, I'm resistant, I'm anti, and I've made this mistake many times, well, back off then, right? That, that's my view because we can do more damage than good when we're forceful, right? When we're not coming in peace. And on the flip side, right, if they're saying, no, I'm interested, and there's different degrees of that, but if I'm interested, right? I mean, we have a good friend who's atheist, right? We're still in the journey, with her and, and her husband, her family, right? Both of them. And um, there's days that she's real open uh, to talk to us about, about God. She often comes over with her kids, you know, and there's other days she's really closed off and you say, you just sense it. It's like, yeah, today's not the day to talk about it. And there's a lot of examples I have of that. We're not trying to force it, right? We're, we're inviting, we're introducing, and that's what it means to come in peace. Right. Right. So what, like, what do you say to people who are worried about, um, like the the classic worry of like we don't like the word evangelism, and uh, we don't think that we should have an agenda with people. Um, how do you respond to that? Yeah. So, quick uh, thing that might be boring to some people, but give me thirty seconds. So, there's a Greek word evangelion <laughs> um, yeah. that that was a word used you know hundreds and hundreds of years ago, and it basically meant uh, the messenger. So, like 
way back centuries ago, right? The messenger might be someone who comes to the town, right? They didn't have cell phones and communication was different, right? So the messenger would go to the town and tell everyone the queen had a baby, right? Or if there was a battle, right? The messenger would be sent by the commanding officer uh, to go tell everyone, you know, we've won the battle, right? And people would cheer, right? That's the messenger, right? So Paul in the Bible co-ops that word. It wasn't a spiritual word, right? He says to Timothy, one case, he says, do the work of an evangelist, an evangelion, right? Be the messenger. And he talks about good news. So we're messengers of good news. I don't think how we share the gospel oftentimes is good news, at least to other people, you know, but we're, we're the bringers of good news. And so, man, um, Apple, right? I, I know a I got a good friend who works at Apple. He's called an evangelist at Apple because right? they got good stuff and they're bringing it to the world. And so perhaps some of our kind of getting caught up on the word evangelism is because we don't really believe deep down that what we have to offer is good news, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I know the word's got all kinds of stuff layered into it. And, you know, we think of street preaching and people yelling at you with a megaphone or certain evangelists on TV. So honestly, I don't even use the word very much but it is a biblical word. So I, I do what it calls us to do. Um, and at the end of the day, use the word or don't use the word, but, but do evangelism, be an evangelion, right? Be a messenger of good news. And I think that's ultimately what we have to get our mind and heart around. Right. This is where the, like the word angel is. Yes. Is the same root word, right? Right. Same so root. It's like, yep. you know, angel visits those, they usually are the bearers of glad tidings, at least in the Christmas story. Anyway, that's right. That's right. Yes. Um, so <laughs> that's good. Uh, yeah, no, I think that's actually really great. And I think it's okay to, like, I used to, I used to kind of say, no, like there shouldn't be any agenda, but I actually think maybe we should say, actually, I kind of do have an agenda. Yeah. Um, well, I think, I mean, again, not to be redundant here, but it's like, I think it's okay to have an agenda. It's like, I mean, not to force our agenda though. Right. right. I mean, it's to have a desire. I mean, um, I have people close to me in my life that, I mean, I desire them to come to know Jesus as their savior. Like, like, I guess that's an agenda in conversation and I want them, but it's not a forced agenda, right? I come and I ultimately know God is at work in their life, right? I can be part of it perhaps if they let me, right? God's given us free will, right? That can be a really good thing and can be a really hard thing because we don't like it sometimes. We don't like that someone else has free will and, um, but I think it's okay to have an agenda and, and yeah, acknowledging it in the right context of relationship, I, I think is okay too. I mean, I've said in, in conversations like, like, I mean, shooting straight with you. I mean, I, I'd love for you to become a follower of Jesus because I believe that it'll bring you life and joy and et cetera, et cetera. Right. It's like, but, I, but I also respect your, your free will and your decisions, you know, and sometimes I ask permission, right. Can I like share something with you? You may not believe what I believe, but you mind if I share it? Because, well, underneath that is I have an agenda, I guess, if you want to call it that. Right. Um, but that, that's friendship. That's sometimes marriage. I mean, it maybe is a funky word to use, perhaps, in some contexts, but it's true. Yeah, and I, and I also think, like, sometimes, um, like, I, I don't think it's sort of like, oh, this, like, friendship evangelism. I don't know why I'm on this evangelism kick here, really. But um, <laughs> it's, yeah, like, yeah. people say, oh, oh, make friends with people first. And then, because then you're going to, like, I don't think, I always found that was kind of manipulative. Like, and I don't think that's what we're talking about. I think yes. we already have these relationships in our lives. Like, we're already, like, I don't think this is necessarily like, okay, walk down the street and find somebody that you can now befriend. Yes, we should befriend people. I, I agree with that. But I don't think, I think you're talking about you've already have people in your life. Yes. And, 
and how are you honest about your yourself and how are you honest about your own relationship with God? Like not, not to hide that. And how does that play out in real relationships? Yeah. Um, yeah it, oh. it, it's really good. Well, and I mean, you know, Jesus had an agenda. <laughs> if you want to think of it yeah, like that, right. And it's like, I'm giving you the same one I had. So even if you don't like it, it's like, well, we're called, we're called to that again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this podcast is uh, like mainly about um, spiritual practices actually. And I think actually what we're talking about is, is really a spiritual practice. Um, these kind of conversations, but also I, I want to ask you in your own personal life, like what, what does your own spiritual practice look like or consist of? Um, yeah. It might be different. Well, and one comment to the thing you just said too, and I'll answer that, but um, I, I still agree with what you just said. And, you know, I, and the reason I'm going to weigh in here is because the conversations many times I've had in my life with people who are far from God have been so formational for me. When we think about spiritual practices or some might use the term spiritual formation, it's like, if you want to call in this framework, the practice of having conversations with people who don't believe, I think is critical to who we're becoming and becoming like Christ, right? That's the goal, right? Of a Christian, right? We become like Christ for the sake of others, right? And so this is part of the journey. I have been moved and inspired and caused to grow myself because of things non-Christians have said uh, in conversations or questions they've asked me that have stimulated growth in my own, in my own life. Now on to your second sorry, part there. So I'm just going to interrupt for a sec because that's actually, yeah. that's, that's awesome really. So we can just going back to the agenda, our agenda could be, well, I really want to grow in my faith. Yeah. So, yeah. so I need to go have conversations with, with non-Christians. Well, <laughs> think about how that challenges your courage even, right. To overcome that fear and anxiety. I mean, that's formational too. Well, and we haven't really talked even about, um, you know, how Jesus did this. Um, but Jesus is constantly going to people who are are not the typical religious people, right? Like that's, he spent all his time doing that. <laughs> so. Well, and think about this. Cause I, so Jesus asked lots and lots of questions, right? He's the son oh. of God. He's God in essence, right? He wasn't looking for knowledge. He's the all knowing one, right? Yet in Matthew's gospel, uh, he asks 87 questions in Luke's gospel. He asks 129. Then in all four gospels, when he gets asked a question, 183 times minimum, he responds not with direct answers in almost every case. He responds with 307 more questions. And I bring that up to say, that's another spiritual formation practice. It's sort of an atypical one. I go, I, I would like to see more Christians learn how to practice the art of question asking. That takes their eyes off ourselves right? It makes us more like Jesus. Right? It helps us to think before we even are in a conversation or while we're in it, right? And think about what, what Jesus uses questions in all different ways. But one of the ways he used them was he would leave people like the rich young ruler with a question about something that ultimately mattered in life. And he would be even okay letting that person walk away, right? And, you know, assuming here, because we're reading into it a little bit, but it's like knowing that that person would keep thinking about that question, right? So, um, I used to have a spiritual director ask me on a regular basis, what questions are you asking? Meaning like internally, you know, and that always made me think of like, wh- what's really going on inside, right? So the art of question asking is a powerful spiritual formation practice, both when we, when we do it or when it's sort of done to us, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. um, both sides, you know, and, and I'll say one other thing about that. There's a great quote, I'll paraphrase, I might not get it quite right, but 
but David Augsburg, I think is his name. And he says, um, for the average person, uh, they can't distinguish the difference between being heard and being loved. And we're a tribe, Jesus says, to love one another. And by your love, they will know you're my disciples. So what if we just listened to other people and they felt heard? We asked questions, we genuinely listened. How much more love would we propel into the world, right? How much more love would we, you know, I think that forms us to be more um, people of love as well. And so all that intersects, I think, with spiritual practices, really. Wow, that's so good. Like, um, there we go. Now we're getting to our, our real agenda here. I want to be able to grow in my faith and love people more. So that's why I'm going to engage in these conversations. Right, I, yeah. I love that. Reading, I think, or divine reading. Um, and uh, and to, 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 you know, basically you read through the text four or five different times and you kind of respond in different ways, but it's a deeper reading. It's a slower reading. And typically when we read, we're taught to gather information, right? To gather knowledge, right? Where this kind of reading is more to experience God. And, uh, and I've been doing that on a regular basis for some time now. And it's not every day, but it's a lot of days. And man, the, the, the engagement of the scriptures is so much richer. It goes deeply, not just in my mind, but into my heart. And that's one thing I do on a regular basis. Um, you know, l- listening too. you know, I, this morning I'm in a hotel room and I sat on the balcony. I was up, you know, pretty early. It was dark. I saw the moon, kind of the orange moon kind of going away. But, um, but I just sat in silence, you know, and it doesn't come natural and my mind gets distracted and, you know, those sorts of things. But, um, but there's something about the stilling of my soul that refreshes me. And, um, so that's another one that I do. Um, and then I experiment with different kinds of prayer. I love Richard Foster's book on prayer. Um, there's, I don't know, 25 different ways to pray. And, um, and, I, and I just kind of change it up. I mean, I, some people, I guess, like the same routine every day. I, I don't really. I get tired of it, whatever it is. So how I read the Bible and how I pray and, you know, how I use music, like worship music or instrumental music, it's, it's like different. I don't say every single day, but at least from week to week. Uh, there's quite quite a variation in that. So, um, you know, that's, that's cool. a few thoughts. Um, have you ever felt that you were in a spiritual rut? And if so, how did you get out? Yeah. Um, yes, of course. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't think anyone's answered no <laughs> to that no, <laughs> Right? Yeah. Oh, no, I'm okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, I think what comes to mind is a couple things. I mean, when we encounter disappointment, uh, in life. And I mean, there's different degrees and that kind of stuff, but you know, a loss of a dream or an expectation, you know, I think it brings us to a place sometimes of spiritual dryness or lostness, or maybe, maybe confusion or distance from God. And I have felt that, um, you know, from time to time over the years, certainly, or, um, or, or the other times when I felt in ruts is when, um, like I've attached myself to certain things like a status of a job or my identity and, and worth to, you know, something that I'm doing. Um, and you know, it could happen with work, career, uh, family, passion you have even, right. Sometimes really good things. And I've been forced to deal with something right now. And, and I hit these ruts of like, what do I do? I sort of have this like, you know, Oh crud, man, this is like, this has been going on for a while and I haven't even noticed it, you know? And then suddenly I I just feel distant from God. I feel like something has been really wrong for a while, you know? 
um, you know, we place other things right in that sort of hole in our heart and often we don't realize it. And then we hit those moments of, okay, it's time to, to it's time for a reckoning, right. With yourself, with God, maybe even with others. Um, so I, I think those are different examples, I guess. I mean, I, I remember uh, the loss of a baseball dream. I played college baseball um, and the loss of that dream, but God used that, right? And shifted me into um, understanding more about a God dream versus a human dream. Uh, I, I've experienced ministry betrayal, which can be, you know, uh, at least lead toward a tendency of being disillusioned with the church or ministry leaders, uh, I have a son with autism, like I mentioned, right? I mean, there's been grieving that sometimes has gotten me in, in rut. So I think what, what I would say to someone who's in a spiritual rut uh, and what I'd say to myself or do at least, I guess you could say is, because it's like, how do you get out of it, right? Maybe that was yeah. what you would ask next. But yeah. um, so I think first it's really simple, but I think you have to acknowledge the place that you're in and be honest. I think sometimes we don't slow down enough or we're unwilling to be honest with God, with yourself, um, ideally speaking with a good friend or spiritual guide of, of some sort. And, and we need those people, right? And we need to be honest and we have to acknowledge it, right? There's power and freedom. I think that comes with that. I think the second thing is, is you ask God to guide you through it. I mean, it, again, that sounds really simple, but I'm guilty of this too. We often don't do it, right? We just keep sort of trucking ahead, you know, but stopping and saying, God, I feel distant from you and I want you to help me reconnect and feel close to you. I want to do my part, but I need you, you know, that kind of thing. Third, I'd say begin examining areas in your life that you've been neglectful of, right? Because I've been here many times, right? Or maybe you haven't been attentive to it. You know, it's like I literally have a rattle in my engine right now. I'm like, I got to take this to the shop. You know, I don't know what it is. It seems small, but you're right. You let that go, let that go. And boom, all of a sudden you're on the side of the road, your car is smoking, right? Oh, I didn't pay attention, you know? Right. Um, so today, maybe, or tomorrow, I need to take care of that. Um, but, um, but yeah, so yeah. You, oh, and I think one other thing is like, like I think of the, I think of Joseph, uh, who, who you hear the promise all through his life. I am with you. I am with you. Right. God's saying that to him. So it's like, remind yourself that God hasn't left you, that he never will. And that he's right there because I have been unsettled. I've been stuck. I've been confused. You can't snap your fingers and get out of it. Typically speaking, but you got to remember that God is with you in it and, and ask yourself, what is he wanting to teach me? What is he wanting to do with me? What is he shaping me? Because I think there's great purpose uh, in those times. And sometimes our, our awareness is heightened uh, in those times when we're actually stuck, right? Because we're like, I want to get unstuck. I want to get unstuck. What do I got to do? You know, so there's no magic silver bullet, um, but it's engaging more deeply with God. It's reflecting, right? It's being honest. It's acknowledging where you're at. All those things converge and they help us get unstuck. Right. I wonder too, just in, in your answer there, um, it reminds me a bit of uh, Sherry's chapter, the, the, I think the first conversation, you know, someone who, I think that was around someone who was saying she doesn't feel like she wasn't feeling it. She wasn't feeling connected yeah. to God. I don't know yes. if that's the same as a rut or if it's just and I, and I, honestly, I read this, I read this quite a while ago. So, it's, yeah, yeah. Um, but I wonder if there's some insight in that conversation for people, or if you can remember that I know it wasn't your yeah. turn. Yeah, no, I, I think, I think it certainly can be a rut, you know, when you're like, you're not feeling it. Right. Yeah. I mean, girl Sherry's talking to, you can read the book for more details, but, um, exactly. but, um, but yeah, I mean, um, I think a lot of us maybe go through that in our faith. Like, I mean, she was at that point, she was pre-faith, but 
you know, she kind of wanted to have faith. She kind of wanted God. And she sort of, not sort of, she started, started going to church and she was engaging, but I'm not connecting still, you know? And, um, you know, and I don't know all the answers for that. I think Sherry had some really great responses about it. Um, but I think sometimes there's, um, there's a process and, you know, I, I think about the people of Israel, right. And the, and the theme of waiting and Moses, right. And waiting, I think about my own life. I've had seasons of waiting. I hate waiting, oh, <laughs> but it's like waiting is a, a deeply necessary spiritual reality that God uses to shape us. And I believe whether Christian or not Christian, sometimes in this case, right. I think there's a sense of like how God, uses her not feeling it and waiting for God to sort of show up, at least in her kind of view, right? Um, that, that's an important part of what shapes us and what draws us near and what, what creates longing in us, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I love that. I, I think that's a great, a great place to go and to, and to think about waiting. Um, Cause I often like when I've had people talk to me about, Oh, I don't feel it. Or I, often these are Christians who are just kind of feeling disconnected from God or the church or however it is. And I often ask them, well, can you remember when was the last time you did feel connected? And it'll range from like, oh, it's been years or it could be like, Oh, like it's been a month. Yeah. (laughs) And often when I hear the people say it's been a month, I kind of think, well, like how, so, so when the people are crying out in the Psalms, how long, O Lord, will you forsake us forever you know how how long are we willing to like do we really trust god with our minds as well as our feelings mm-hmm. and are we willing to like how long are you going to how long are you willing to cry out how long right um, you know maybe god is going to do something through this time of dryness or disconnection um and do you trust him enough to allow that to happen but that's yeah. a super hard conversation yeah. Because people don't um, want to hear that, right? So with you, right? And and I think of the psalmist that says, oh, search me, right? Search our hearts, God, right? And sort of like you saying, God, I'm ready for this wherever it takes me. And I think the problem is in many of my conversations with people too, and, and even in my own life at times, I've learned this. It's like, we want to push pain away, yeah. right? We want our timeline, not God's. We forget that God's timeline is superior, right? That his ways are superior, than to handling things in our, than our ways. And I think that's part of it. I love that. I didn't come up with this. I love the, the metaphor. You may know this metaphor of like the jar of river water that has sediment in it. And it's the idea of like, if you swirl it around, round, 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 right. You have all the sediment that's swirling and the jar of water is kind of like our soul. Right. And we're running so fast through life and things are sort of polluting our life and getting crazy. And I mean, this is how most of us live, you know, but if you put that, river water jar down on a table and you know it doesn't happen in three seconds but over time the sediment the water starts stops spinning the sediment starts to settle right and then the water is clear and i think sometimes a lot of times we don't um treat our soul like that right we just keep running faster and faster busier and busier we're hurried we're distracted right and um and we don't see clearly right and god is like saying okay i want you to to feel my nearness, but would you slow down a bit so you can see me clearly and see what's in your soul clearly and see what you're maybe avoiding or neglecting. And, um, and so it's really not so much on God as it is about our own sense of, I guess you call it self-discipline or intentionality to slow down. Right. And invite God into those deeper places. 
Oh, this is so good. Uh, Wow, I can't believe the time here. We've been talking for a long time. So um, we probably need to wrap it up. Uh, is there anything else that you kind of wanted to to let people know about, um, particularly like maybe where people can find you online if they want to connect with you or find your books? You've written a couple of other books you mentioned at the beginning. Yeah, yeah my first book was called Relational Intelligence, a lot about relationships as well. And I wrote one called Protégé on Leadership Development. Uh, yeah, this last one talking about God. You can go to stevesacone.com. Uh, my books are all on, you know, like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever you guys buy books. Um, pretty much you can find it. Um, but, um, but yeah, and then uh, Twitter, Facebook, all that kind of stuff too. You can search just Steve Saccone, should be able to find me, S-A-C-C-O-N-E. And man, thanks. It's it's an honor to, this was a fun conversation. So if nothing else, me and you, I think had fun. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's been great to have you on. Thanks so much, Steve. Yeah, thanks. All right, bye-bye.